Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best Value Registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. You know, the, the voice was a big win for us, but I want people to understand our book is not about the voice. God used that platform to do great things, you know, through us and just a great opportunity. And we will always be forever thankful for that. But that's not what the book's about. That's not what our story's about. You know, God has been there on the daily in every little win in our lives. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about the messy, less than perfect, but real stuff of life. My name's Jill Savage, and I'll be your host. I'm so glad you're here. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect podcast. So here's a question I've been pondering. What if we could become experts at seeing joy, even in the mundane and hard seasons? I mean, think about it. We'd likely learn to see the silver lining in the clouds. We'd identify blessings, even in difficult circumstances, and we'd even view life through the possibilities rather than the liabilities. So I started thinking about this after I read Brooke and Todd Tillman's book. It was titled Every Little Win. So Todd Tillman was the winner of season 18 of The Voice. He has the distinction of being known as the oldest winner at age 42 in the voice's history. But before that, he was a pastor. He was a pastor of Cornerstone Church in Meridian, Mississippi. And he and his wife, Brooke, have experienced a lot in their marriage, in their ministry. And they share much of that in their new book, Every Little Win where they really focus not so much on Todd winning the voice, but rather on the wins that we can all experience in the mundane, everyday parts of life. So I recently sat down with them to talk about their experiences, and I'm thrilled to be able to share this conversation with you. I hope you enjoy it. So Todd and Brooke, ever since I read your book, Every Little Win, I knew that I had to have you on as uh, an interview because uh, I thoroughly enjoyed your book. So thank you for writing an honest, open book. You know, uh, one of the things that... We didn't really know any better. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I'm an overshare, period. So whatever we do, it's going to be an overshare. (laughs) Oh, that's all right. Because honestly, I think that's probably why I really resonated with your book is because, I mean, my husband and I have just determined to live an open life. And we find that honesty begets honesty. Like, you know, okay, we'll go first. And then it makes it safe for others to go first. And And the the thing that really struck me when I was reading Every Little Win is that you guys uh, have, you and Mark and I have been living parallel lives several states away from each other. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We really have. My husband was a pastor for 20 years. And and so we understand uh, he served in a mega church staff for 10 years, but then in a small church for, for 10 years. So we know what that part of ministry is like. Um, we've adopted internationally. We've lived on next to nothing and have all kinds of God <laughs> stories to share 
on that. And um, our marriage has been through a terrible crisis and we've made it to the other side. And then as I was sharing a little bit with you guys before we hit record, our son was on The Voice in season two. Well, he wasn't on TV, but he made it in like the top 150. He flew yeah. out to LA. He did all of that. So so we well, have a lot of connection. We yeah, do. Well, you, you already know that is no that is no small feat. Uh, I, I told everybody when all of this stuff kind of started going down, if you make it out there at all, you really have done something. You really have. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. I mean, and, you know, I don't remember the year his season ran. I think he was like, you know, like 10,000 people had auditioned. I don't even know how many are auditioning these days. But, yeah, to yeah. make it anywhere in that process and to keep moving forward is is absolutely amazing. Uh, but yeah. for, for those who are listening that don't know, um, your life... Uh, has changed so much over the last two years because Todd, you yep. went from pastoring a small church in Mississippi to winning. Yep. Uh, it was at season eighteen of the yeah Voice. season eighteen. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, just just a little over. I won the the finale was just a little over a year ago. It was in May of last year. Wow. Okay. And then you guys have actually made a move to Nashville, Tennessee, uh, so that you can continue to pursue this. Uh, but you did that with yeah. eight, eight children, uh, in tow, right? <laughs> well, technically seven are with us. Our oldest is kind of on his own, you know, he's, uh, following his own dream fairly successfully, but, but seven came with us. Yeah, actually like it, it was a whole lot of change at once. You know, we sat down as pastor and we moved, um, to about an hour out of Nashville, and our oldest son, who is 21, he moved from, uh, he was going to stay back in Mississippi, he had just gotten a job, and we were going to kind of come back and forth, and then he actually got an offer in LA for a job, which was doing what he loves, and so he moved all the way across the country to LA, so it was a lot of change for this mama, and I'm still processing it. Oh, I understand that. I understand that. You know, my most recent book is a book called Empty Nest Full Life. And oh, wow. uh, I get that. We've launched five. And uh, and in fact, our son that was on The Voice lives in Australia. And oh, wow. so that is hard. That it is, is yeah. really hard. Especially right know? now. Yeah. I know it. So you guys have been married for 22 years. And mm -hmm. in the book, you talk about the ups and downs of marriage. And I really, really appreciated that. Um, and that was really one of the reasons I wanted to talk with you guys. Um, you talked about the ups and downs of marriage. You talked about actually being on the brink of divorce. Um, you talked about parenting a critically ill child, battling depression and anxiety, um, struggling to make ends meet. And so in the midst of all of that, your marriage is still intact. And so I talk about that. Can you just talk about what happened there and, um, and what lessons were learned in the midst of those hard seasons, but particularly as it related to your marriage? Sure. Brooke, you want to take that one first? Yeah, I can, I can jump in. You know, um, we got married very young. Um, we've kind of grown up together. And so it's been quite the experience. I think, um, you know, for us, pretty quickly in, um, I had bought in. I know for me personally, I think being young and immature, and you know, I kind of bought into this, what you see on TV, romantic, you know, romanticized fantasy, really, of what Hollywood sells us, what relationships and marriage is like. And I felt like coming into it, you know, that's what I was going to get. And when I didn't get that, um, very quickly, I began to think that the grass would be greener on the other side. Very quickly, I began to think I made a mistake. Um, and once you kind of open that door to believe the lie of the enemy, um, you know, it kind of went downhill for me pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, it was it was such a struggle. And I'll be honest, you know, um, we did a lot. We got married young pretty quickly after that. About six months in, I got pregnant with Egan, our oldest child. So there was a lot going on. And, um, you know, we were also in ministry. Todd was a youth pastor. Um, we lived in a garage apartment 
um, from my grandma's house. We had nothing. And so it was, you know, we were both working and we were both trying to figure each other out. And so, you know, it was a very, 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 very tough season, um, very quickly. And some people, it takes longer. Some people, you know, they're seven years in, you know, for us, it was, you know, barely two years in it almost all, you know, crumbled. But, um, for me, you know, it was basically letting, it almost had to all come down for us to rebuild it. I say, I tell people all the time, multiple different times in my marriage, but if we wouldn't have went, I would never want to go through that again, but if we wouldn't have went through it, we wouldn't be where we're at today because we had kind of, or I know me personally, and Todd can speak for himself. I had built my marriage and things on the wrong foundation. It was foundationally wrong. So on fantasies and lies and things that I didn't believe. And I had to really grow up in my walk with Christ and I had to grow up um, in a lot of areas. And so for me, um, it took a lot of ladies in my church that still believed in me at my worst. I think that's the biggest thing. You know, sometimes we want to just shun people and, you know, push them away or say, you know, they're, you know, they're out there doing their own thing. They're living in sin. I have people love on me. People reach out to me, even when I sent to the divorce papers, even when I left the home and wouldn't answer people's phone calls. I had people show up at my work. His mother showed up at my work. I jokingly say she kidnapped me from work um, to really encourage me to give it six months. And that was the like change for me. I really felt, okay, if I get, you know, she promised me, if you just come back and give it six months, then you can leave. No questions asked. We will not bother you. We will. And so I I solely did it. So I thought in six months I'm leaving and that people would leave me alone and people would just let me leave. And, um, but in that six months, because of course Todd was, you know, in ministry, I had to be at church. I was accountable to that. His family embraced me and loved me. I remember when I first come back, um, come home and we were all going out to eat his brother, who is a, a man of not many words, you know, in person, just come up and hugged me. And I knew then like they were welcome me back, even with what I had done. And it just started from there. And the church loved on me and the ladies of the church loved on me and they prayed for me and they gave me books to read and they encouraged me. Um, and slowly over time, I remember one night we were at a service at church, um, that the ladies, it was kind of a life, we would call a life group type service now, smaller group. And mm-hmm. the ladies prayed over me. And I remember this intense, like feeling of work. You can either let it go. You know, I was holding on. I wanted so much what I wanted. I felt like, you know, I deserve this being in love feeling, I, you know, I, I, and I just remember the, the words just like, it was almost like I could, it was either hold on to it or let go. And in that moment, I let that go. And I remember I told Todd after that, I said, you know, I said, I told him, I said, baby, I said, look, I don't know what's going to happen. I know it's not going to be easy, but I can promise you from this point forward, I'm going to actually try because up until that point, I wasn't trying and that's when the healing started and it didn't happen overnight and it, and it usually never does. I hate to say that God can do a lot of things instantaneously. I mean, salvation is instantaneously. Those things happen, but the renewing of the mind, the walking it out, the living it out is a process. And, yes. you know, from that moment forward, it was a process for me and Todd, you know, but at that moment I begin to try, I begin to fully try with my whole heart. Um, and that's when we begin to heal, but really it took a community. It took people loving me at my worst. It took people encouraging Todd. It took people still and allowing us to be in ministry, even though we were falling apart, but kind of restore us. Um, and it was a beautiful thing. I mean, I think, you know, for me, just seeing the community of, of, you know, the, the, the people of Jesus come together and love, you know, love me through my worst. You know, I love that saying we are more than our worst moments and people making me believe that about myself, um, open my eyes to see the truth and slowly, but surely we begin to rebuild our marriage, um, for that first huge hurdle. But, you know, we've had, we've had many more since then, you know, not quite to that level. Um, but in different ways, um, you know, I never filed papers again, but we've, we've thrown the word divorce around multiple times in our marriage, something that's not a good idea, but I'll be honest, we've done it. We've done it. Something I used to use as a threat and, um, you know, and, and not even meaning it, but just a threat. And I knew it was a soft spot for Todd. I knew it was, a spot that would hurt him and, you know, hurting people hurt, pe- you know, hurt people. And I know a lot of times in our fights, when, when you're lashing out and someone's hurting you, you want to say you want to hurt back. And so yeah. that would be one of the things I would use, which is terribly wrong, but just being honest here, you know, those are 
just to, to share people, look, you're not alone in your struggles. You're not, you know, you're not alone, you know, and, 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 and when you fight in marriage, it's just so personal that sometimes it's so hard yeah. to communicate. Yeah. We've learned to wait, wait, a, wait a night, wait a day for us. It really works. If we're really angry or really upset. It don't matter who's right, who's wrong. We just cannot communicate. If we give it a little time, then we can talk about it productively. So Ty, yeah. you can take it from there. I feel like I took up a lot of time. <laughs> I mean, you said plenty. <laughs> <laughs> what would you add to that, Todd? What was that like for you? Um, because, you know, were you thinking divorce too? Or were you like, what um, is going on here? No, I, I mean, I wouldn't say, it's hard to explain. Like, I wouldn't say that it like, it, that it just totally caught me out of nowhere, but it kind of did, you know, I mean, I I knew that we weren't like um, we should be. And I mean, I, I, I played my own role in that too, you know, oh, um, absolutely. I, you know, sure. I, I knew we weren't like, kind of like we should be and our relationship was not like it should be. Um, and a lot of my, a lot of my part in it, I mean, there's tons of things I can say about my own self. I kind of, I was kind of mediocre at the time. I, I, I love Brooke and I, Brooke was always kind of like the love of my life. And I just wanted her to be happy and I wanted to be happy. And, and then there's also, you know, there's a, a really heavy burden in, in the faith period, to tell you the truth, but especially in ministry um, to be a certain way. And man, my entire life, I've just felt like I can't be that way. And so you're struggling in that regard, you know, and, and so when that happened, uh, honestly, again, I mean, I'll just echo Brooke in that I'm, I, I never want to do that again, but I'm glad it did happen. Uh, but for me, it was more like I want I even remember I, 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 first I refused, just flat refused to talk to any attorney or any, anything, you know, uh, finally, after a little while, I did contact an attorney and I, I remember telling them the only thing that I'll sign is a paper papers that say she wanted out and I didn't want out. And they were like, well, that doesn't really exist. I'm like, well, then I won't sign anything, <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, but I mean, you know, you learn a lot about yourself and, and in times, times like that, you know, and you learn a lot about um, the, the way that you handle. And listen, I, I handled that and a hundred thousand other things before and since, uh, in a lot of ways I handled it well. And in a lot of ways I, I did not handle it well, you know? Um, and yeah. so we just, it, we learned that a really valuable lesson that, you know, it takes work and time and that's, that's what it took for us. Yes, it does. It takes work and time. You know, I once read somewhere in marriage, if you're not rowing, you're drifting and yeah. Man, uh, yeah, we've experienced that. It sounds like you guys have experienced that. So, you know, my guess is that there are couples that are listening or individuals that are listening um, and they're struggling. What advice would you have for them if they're struggling? Uh, you know, honestly, the the best advice I, I can give is probably the most cliche advice that I can give which is like, please, please, please do not give up. Like, don't, don't let, I don't know, sort of just put out of your head the idea of what you want it to be for now mm -hmm. and just focus on not failing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like focus mm -hmm. on not giving up uh, because uh, we, I mean, me and Brooke have seen it a hundred times in our own marriage. I mean, we've been married almost 23 years now. Um, the, the other side is better, but most people quit in the middle, you know, and if you'll just not give up, I used, man, when I was a pastor, dang, I used yeah. to preach that every which way the middle is the hard part in the beginning. You're excited in the end you're fulfilled, but in the middle, it's just really, really hard. <laughs> Ooh, you know, that is good. I love that. That is wisdom in so yeah. many areas of life, right? Yeah, parenting, yeah. Right. marriage, ministry, work. I mean, there's just yeah. so many parts of life that that is true. Yeah. yeah, you just, for me, I mean, it's teamwork. You have to remember you're on the same team. I think a lot of times in marriage, we start forgetting that we're each other's allies. We start forgetting that we're on each other's team. And I think for me now being almost 23 years in, if I would have quit, if we would have stopped, you know, two years in, 
look at what would have never happened. Look, look what the enemy now, when I look back and I see our testimony, like, look what the enemy was after, you know, all these stories, all these victories, all these high points I would have never experienced if I would have quit when the enemy wanted me to quit. And so keep going, keep going. You know, I say all the time, if your story's not good, then your story is not over. So keep going. Our, you know, mm-hmm. our heavenly father is a good father. He writes good stories. He redeems our stories. That's what he does. Yes. And so if you're in a place right now where you feel your story isn't good, then don't stop. That just yes. means it's not over. That just means you got to keep going. So if your marriage right now isn't good, then keep going. I always, you know, say relationships in general, but especially marriages ebb and flow. It's not always going to be the flow where it's just Mm -hmm. flowing and things are great. And you're, you know, you're just hitting on all cylinders. You know, sometimes you got those little pesky ebbs where you're just not getting along or you're not connecting like you. And sometimes it's not even super bad. You're just not as close, you know, and those give us time to reevaluate ourselves to say, what can we do differently and look forward to when it's going to flow again and appreciate the flows. If -hmm. it always flowed, it, you know, you wouldn't really appreciate it. So to me, you just have to realize in marriage, it's going to ebb and flow. There's yes. going to be high points and there's going to be low points, but there's things you learn in the valley that you would never learn on the mountain. And so don't despise them. Just say, you know, God, what are you trying to show me here? What can I do, mm-hmm. you know, differently? And for me, the one thing I've learned with Jesus, when I go to Jesus about my spouse, is if I'm praying for him, that's, that is awesome. If I go trying to tell Jesus what he's doing wrong, God and Jesus is only going to tell me, you know, they're, they're, they're like, Hey, they're only going to tell me what I need to change. They never tell me what Todd needs to change. And I think we have to remember that in marriage. God is, you can only control you. God is never going to show you what your spouse needs to do differently. He's going to show you what you need to do differently because you can't change your spouse. You know, only God can. And so for me, that's really helped me and changed my perspective that, you know, I just, I just go to God now and say, okay, God, what do I need to do differently? What am yes. I doing that is not, har- you know, is harming this relationship or not bringing you glory in this relationship? And um, and then just, you know, pray for your spouse. You know, I've read, I've got several books by Stormy Martin praying, you know, praying over mm-hmm. your marriage, over your husband. I love stuff like that. I believe it's so powerful when you pray over your spouse and when you pray together. We actually need to be better at that time praying together. We're, we're, we're apart a little bit more now than we were used to before. Um, but I do think it's so powerful um, to pray together and pray for each other. Yes, I agree. I absolutely agree. You know, I remember one time it was in a hard season of our marriage and I was, um, I was doing a lot of finger pointing, like, you know, he's the problem. You know, I was even telling him you're the problem. And he was, um, not making changes. And I remember that I really, uh, I opened up God's word one day and I got to Matthew seven And Matthew seven says, why do you try to remove the, the speck out of your husband's eye when there's a plank in your own eye? Now there's no version that says husband's eye, but I'm telling you that day in my Bible, it said husband. That's what you read. (laughs) I needed that, you know, I needed that accountability. And so such an important reminder for for all of us, I think. So Brooke, you talk in the book about uh, very openly about your struggle with anxiety and depression. And, um, you know, let's, let's talk about that a little bit because I don't think that we talk about it enough. Uh, so let's talk about what that has looked like for you and, um, and what have you learned about, uh, training your mind to focus in a different way? Um, what have you learned that you could do? Uh, you know, let, let's talk about that. And then let's talk about how that affected marriage too. Okay. Uh, yeah. Let's jump into that. Yeah. Um, I definitely think I agree with you. It's something that needs to be talked about so much more, especially in the church community. I feel like um, me being, you know, before a pastor's wife, you know, it was definitely something that held a lot of shame. I think a lot of people associate if you struggle mentally um, that you're not, spiritual enough. You're not Mm. praying enough. You're not. um, And that has been so heartbreaking, I think, for so many to carry that burden. Or if you have to look at other avenues besides praying, something's wrong with you. And I know, you know, for me, um, the first step for me to begin to find healing was to talk about it. 
because the enemy shamed me for so long. And the first time I went through it, of course, my husband, I even hid it from him for a little while, but my husband knew about it, but no one else did. And, you know, when I walked back through another really tough season, probably the toughest one I've ever walked through for about two years, I told the Lord, if I've got to walk through this again, if you're going to allow me to walk through this again, then I have to find purpose in it. And for me, purpose was helping people. And he's been so good to honor that with this being in the book. You know, it's God reminded me. He kept good to his promise in a huge way, not just, you know, I was able to share with people close around me, but now to much wider audience. And so I love how God does that. He brings beauty from, you know, from ashes. And, you know, that was a season of ashes in my life. And, you know, for me, it took finally being okay. And I think God wanted me to have that empathy, especially having the platform that I have now and with the platform I even have been as a pastor's wife to say, it's okay if you need to reach out and get counseling. It's okay if you need to take medication. You know, for me, I fought it spiritually up until about, mm, it's probably like 35. You know, I never used any other form but prayer. God was very faithful to me and he helped me, but he never once. That's the thing I want to tell people. If you're watching and you struggle with anxiety, depression, or mental things, and I always get choked up about this. Jesus never once shamed me ever. Mm-hmm. It was people. Mm-hmm. It was people. And I know it was people that loved me. And maybe that's just what they thought. I'm not. But for me, it was like so freeing because when you're, when you keep it inside, the enemy can shame you. And he can say, God can never, if you tell people that you'll never be able to be used of God. If you tell people that they're going to think you crazy, they won't want to be your friend anymore. They won't, you know, you're going to be alone. Um, but it was the exact opposite. When I opened my mouth and started using my testimony, you're made an overcomer by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. When I began to share my story, it began to resonate with other people and I wasn't alone. I found purpose in that season. And, um, And I began to actually feel free to get help. I actually utilized all help that I could get. You know, I did for a season and had two different seasons in my life. I did take medication. It was very helpful to me. It helped because once you get to a point where you can't function and I was there, my husband took me to, that was a thing. My husband loved me through that and he didn't understand because he doesn't deal. And that's a lot of times Mm -hmm. hard if you're a spouse and your spouse doesn't understand what you're going through because they don't deal with it. You know, it can be very hard and it can be very damaging in a marriage because a lot of people want to say, snap out of it, get over it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, and you just can't do that, especially when you get to the point where you're not functioning, which I did. It, it, it really hit me hard after having two back-to-back babies, one that severely struggled with health issues. I really rolled into severe, I think, anxiety plus postpartum depression. Yeah. It was yeah. really bad. Todd took me to work for almost a year every day. Me and the, and the, the three smallest kids um, went to work with him and he loved me through it. He, he did some tough love at times. There was times he would say, Brooke, you've got to get up. Brooke, you've got to take care of these kids. You've got to, um, you know, and I needed that, but he, you know, um, but it was for me just, um, again, it was a process. It wasn't an instant healing. I tell people all the time, right before I walked into this season, I had dealt with fear and anxiety my entire life since a little girl. The enemy telling me lies of the worst case scenario, specifically health issues with myself, with my kids. Um, and I remember just, I literally, and this is just me being transparent because I thought something was wrong with me. I had made bruises all over my body from feeling and checking for knots or, you know, um, and Todd was like, Brooke, you know, like he he looked at me, he's like, baby. And I remember just crying out and saying, God, I want to be free. And I meant it. Like I meant it. I'm like, I'm so tired of this. Well, then right after that, I rolled into this, The it got so much worse. And I remember just crying one day. That was probably that year. And I was, when it started, I was pregnant with Louie, our seventh baby. I cried every day of his pregnancy and I'm not playing every day. And I'm not talking about little crying. I'm talking about devastated, isolated. And I just remember sitting outside bawling and saying, you know, God, what have you done? I asked for you to bring freedom to me. And, and he, and I remember him gently in my spirit, you know, saying, you know, you asked for freedom, Brooke, but what you wanted was relief. And most of the time, what we want is relief. And we try to find it in all in our, you know, in our marriage, in any situation, we look for relief. And, you know, sometimes we do need, I'm not saying there's not those moments that, that God, you know, brings that relief, but, but he, but he wanted me to have freedom. He's like, freedom is a different animal. Yeah. So if we are looking for relief and that's what we find, then we shortchange ourselves because we don't go for freedom, right? He loves us too much to short changes. He loves us too much. And for me, that was so powerful when he said that to me, he said, because you know what, if I gave you instant relief and took it all away, 
When the enemy comes back, which he will, you will have no clue how to battle it. But what I'm bringing you is freedom. And what came on the other side of that is this is still a battle for me, but I learned to recognize it. And now I've learned to fight. And now he equipped me. He equipped yeah. me to be free. And he equipped me in my story to bring freedom to others, which is so important. I'm not here just for me. We're not here just for, you know, and we need to realize that in our marriage is not about just you. And so God does things in us. You know, I love that book that says, you know, marriage, you know, maybe marriage wasn't intended to make us happy, but holy. (laughs) And so, you know, we need to remember that whatever we're walking through isn't just for us. Yeah. It's for who we're going to reach. And so for me, it was just a process. God showed me so much in there. You know, and I'm going to tell you, I tell people all the time, it's one thing to know God is good on the mountain, but it is a whole nother experience to know God's good in the valley, that God is good when you're broken. God is good, you know, and the, 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 the power and the anointing that you, when you come out of those seasons in your marriage or in your life, it's different. You walk out of there a different person. You walk Mm -hmm. out of there being able to set other people free. And so for me, again, it's another one of those seasons. I don't ever want to walk back through. But, you know, when the enemy tries to tell me, oh, it's going to happen again, you're going to go back, you're going to be that bad. I'm like, well, the Lord brought me out, then he'll bring me out again. There'll be a testimony, there'll be a story, you know, and I just have to remind myself. And, you know, and I think that, you know, for me, it really was just opening my mouth and sharing and getting the help and getting the resources. And that free began to free me. My healing started there. And then me and God together, you know, Mm -hmm. I think the Mm -hmm. medicine helped me. I was to the point, like I said, I wasn't functioning. It began to help me slowly to be able to function. And once I began to function, I could battle it spiritually. There you and go. And then, yeah. you know, they, it, I was equipped on all sides and, and, and I became an overcomer and, mm-hmm. you know, I just, you know, and I'm still, you know, if, if you're listening, you know, don't be ashamed. I still have to battle that. We all have our battles, but I'm an overcomer. And, you know, and, and God has brought me so far and, you know, and Todd was really a safe place for me. You know, I don't know if you're a spouse out there and you have, you're dealing with a spouse that is struggling like this. What Todd did for me was no judgment. He was just a safe place. He didn't get it. And there was times that he got upset and he was frustrated because I just couldn't get over it. But for the most part, when I had, I felt like I couldn't trust anybody. I could trust Todd. Mm, and he showed yeah. up for me. Show up. If you don't know how to deal when someone is suffering, show up. You don't have to say anything. Just be there. You don't have to have the right words. There is no right words. When someone loses a child, when someone's going through severe depression, a lot of times there is no right words. But being there, if you're a spouse or a friend, being there is enough. Yes. You know, don't let them isolate themselves because that's what the enemy wants to do is isolate them so he can lie to them and shame them. Yeah. Um so for yeah. me, it was just having the support system of uh, a church family that, again, loved me and showed up for me. They wasn't perfect. Um, a husband, he wasn't perfect, but he loved me. He did what, you know, he did what he had to do. He took me to work. He believed, you know, and he'll have to speak to it for himself. I know there was probably times, you know, he didn't know if I was going to come out of it, but he just had to hold on to, you know, that God would see him through and God did. And I think that we have come out of that super stronger and a better understanding of being with each other and suffering and in hard yeah. times. And that's yeah. going to happen. There. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we, we've dealt with this in our marriage as well. My husband has struggled with both depression and anxiety and I have not. So mm-hmm. it is really hard when you don't understand that, mm-hmm. but Todd, what wisdom would you have for the spouse of someone who is struggling with those things? <laughs> I don't know that I have very much wisdom. Uh, uh, I would say, first of all, I mean, really, the only thing that you can be consistently good at that is going to be helpful in that situation is just being present. Like, um, just be there, you know, there, I mean, cause there were times uh, I did and you know, I'm, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know how that people diagnose these things. You know, I do have my own little issues in my mind, but I kind of keep them there, you know, <laughs> uh, for the most part. But but I, what Brooke was going through, I did not understand. So I did have those like snap out of it moments, you know, like, why, why don't you just snap out of it? You know, uh, but but overall, all I really knew to do was just be there. And everybody, you know, I've had a hundred people, especially with the book and all these things, ask me did I ever want to leave? And I tell them the same thing. Like, no, I never wanted to leave, but there were times that I didn't know if I could stay. Like I didn't know if I could do it, 
You know what I mean? Like, yeah, because it was hard, man. Yeah. You get to the end of yourself. And that's all. Honestly, that's why we need Jesus is because because he's going to he's going to give us that perseverance that we would not have without him. And yeah. And I, I think for me, I think the biggest thing also has been learning to feel, but not fix because you can't yeah, fix it. That's good. That's you, good. You just can't fix it, but you can right. learn, you can feel it. And I know we saw a counselor for a while and he really challenged me. Um, you know, because when things were dark, what I wanted to do is tell Mark that the sun was shining and he would be mm-hmm. like, and my counselor was like, no, Jill, no, Mark doesn't need to know the sun is shining when he feels like it's dark. He needs to know that you'll sit in the darkness with him. And I was like, but it's really dark in there. And I don't really want to go there. (laughs) But, you know, he was like, yeah, but people don't care what you know until they know that you care. And so when you can feel with them and when you can sit with them in the pain, then it will give you the ability to speak into it when the time is right. Yes. And that is that because I tell people all the time. I think when people walk through suffering, I mean, I get it. It's hard. And, you know, whatever the suffering is. And I think a lot of times this is where I told people when I was walking through it, I felt like people thought it was contagious. If they hung out with me or they tried to sit with me, that they might catch it. I think it reminded them that we all as as in, you know, in Christ, we, we suffer. And I think it was a hard reminder for people. People are uncomfortable to sit and stay with people who are suffering because maybe it's a reminder that at some point they're going to have to suffer. Maybe they're scared they're going to catch it. I don't know. But I found that it was very, it, it was very uncomfortable for people just to sit with you in it. And I think even as your spouse, it is sometimes that's very uncomfortable, um, you know, to sit in that, but that is very much what you need to do. I think that's all you can do when someone's going through suffering. You know, you can't fix their suffering. You can't fix their pain. You know, there's some battles that only you and Jesus are going to be able to get through. You know, the worship song ain't going to do it. Your best friend's not going to be able to do it for you. Your husband's not going to be able to do it. But they can sit with you in those moments. And and you just know they're they're there. And that's enough. It really is enough. I agree. I agree. All right. Wow. Good stuff. So I got a question for you. You guys have eight kids. You said um, earlier, it takes a lot of work uh, for marriage. Marriage is hard work. How do you keep your marriage a priority in the midst of raising eight children and, Mm. you know, launching this career in music, uh, you know, used to it was ministry. Honestly, they're probably a lot of similarities. You're like, it's a 24 hour a day, seven days a week, 365 day a year responsibility. But yeah, talk about that. How do you guys uh, keep your marriage a priority? What have you found that works? Man, Uh, um, you want to go ahead, babe? You want me to start? I mean, I, I always think there's just a lot of freedom in truth. And so sometimes we don't, and we have to kind of circle back around and do do make it a priority like there's there's been actually more times than i'm i'm proud of admitting that we just didn't make our marriage a priority uh uh but now i mean we just have to be very very deliberate about things like uh like um well we literally will be texting one another and we'll be like okay here's when i'm going to be back here's when you're going to be back so what we'll do is uh, at that time, we'll leave the big kids in charge and just me and you will go to wherever the Mexican restaurant or whatever, you know, and and sit together. Um, just you just have to be kind of really, really deliberate about it. And, and you know, also, man, you have to you have to uh, hit, you know, over the years, you know, marriage is just one of those things that changes so much through the years. Yes. And, and then our 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 mindsets change and we, we grow and we change and we sort of evolve as human beings and our physical bodies change. So even physical intimacy, we have to like, sometimes we have to say like, we can't let that go. You know, we have to make sure to, to prioritize that. And, uh, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's me saying that and sometimes it's her saying that, you know, so, yeah. but anyway, you, you go Brooke and tell them. What yeah. You I, I mean, my word's always intentional. You have to be intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that we had kind of got in somewhat of a routine and ministry on what worked for us. Todd was off on Fridays. We had someone that watched our kids well. So we had someone we had, we kind of 
took the Friday off and Fridays was our day. We called it date day. And I mean, every now and then, of course, you know, we couldn't do it every Friday, but for the most part, we had took those Fridays and those were phenomenal. Like just, I don't know, being able to pour into our marriage. And that was a season we could do it. Um, because, you know, we had, you know, that was probably a couple of years we were able to do that. And then now we've moved into a new season. Honestly, we're having to refigure it out because yes. we don't have those Friday date days. Um, you know, so you have to make the most of, of the moments you have and you have to, that's been very, um, honestly difficult for me to adjust. I knew how to do ministry with Todd. I knew how to do our life. I knew how to, it worked for us. We had found what had worked. You know, we had our tough days, but we kind of found what worked and now we're having to relearn yes. what works. And I, I, you know, God's again had to shift my perspective as he always does to, well, we get to rediscover each other in this new season. We get to rediscover different things and how we can make this work. Um, you know, for me, I love conversation. I like to ask Todd questions that he don't even like me to ask. And so I have learned if we it's just where I doubt anybody could tell that you like to talk at all. <laughs> <laughs> I love like if we can, even if we're just driving like where we live, like Murfreesboro, like one of the bigger towns where you, there's way more places to eat. We live in a very small town outside of Nashville. Um, it's about 40 minutes away. And when we just drive there and can have conversation in the car, like, I love that. Sometimes Todd will just keep driving around the block. Like mm -hmm. when we're like coming home from the grocery store and we'll just keep having a conversation. Yes. So you just have to take advantage of those moments that you might not have noticed before. Those just normal things. Um, and then you do have to be intentional. Sometimes you just have to squeeze in a, a Mexican date or, you know, Mexican dinner date. Um, you know, you, it, and we do have older kids now. Our youngest is five. And of course we have older kids that can also help us have date yeah. nights. We just don't get to plan them like we used to, where it yeah. was just every Friday. We have to work them in and we have to be intentional. Sometimes it'll go a little while. We're like, wait a minute, it's time to do a date night. Um, we also, a big thing, and this is something we've got to relearn because in our ministry days, we took every year for our anniversary, we went to the mountains. That was where we got married. And we took like a week. Um, we actually used our pastor appreciation gift. Mm. That's what they did. They sent us to the mountains. Because again, you know, as pastors, you don't make a lot of money a lot of times. And we just used that. It was so important to us. It was so vital that we looked forward to that so much. That that just uninterrupted, you know, week time that we remember why we really love each other. Like we remember mm. how we really like each other. And sometimes you know, as couples, we get so busy with life and with kids and with, you know, it's, it's ministry or your jobs or just whatever you're doing, you forget how much you like your spouse. Yes. And so if you get away and have a little time and you don't have to have money, you can plan it once every, however long you need, you know, put back a little money each week or do date nights at home when the kids get in bed. I don't know what season of life you're in, but yes. you have to be intentional. Yes. You have to make, you know, you have to make that time and remember you know, why you love your spouse, why you like them. That's a big deal to me because we're always feel like we love our spouse, but we have to like our spouses. We have to remember that we like them yeah. and, um, and enjoy them and be friends with them. And you have to grow together again. If like you said, if you're not growing, you're drifting apart and mm -hmm. it's just so important. So I, I think you just have to be intentional to stay in connection. So, you know, your spouse, so you yeah. do grow together. That's so true. You know, I was thinking when you were saying sometimes we just, you, you, you know, you drive around the block a couple of times to finish. A con I mean, you do crazy things mm -hmm. to find connection in yeah. the midst of that. And, and, you know, one of the things you made me think of is one season when we have five kids and uh, they were all at home. Several of them were like in college. And I remember Mark and I looked at each other and said, let's go get a hotel room. And we went yeah. and got a hotel room for like yeah. th three hours. Yeah. <laughs> and we were like, we've done that. We, yeah. we felt like we were doing I something love wrong. It. I love it. You got you got to pay by the hour hotel room. That's so scandalous. Now, I love it. Now we have, we spent the night, but we've done that. We've Ooh, just yeah. done that. Like Brooke came to pick me up from the airport once, and she had booked the hotel room just for the night. She had settled the kids and with people to take care of them, and and uh. And we just spent the, that one night that we left the airport, went straight to the hotel that was right there by the airport. Well, we went and got a bite to eat first, but then straight to the hotel. Yeah. Just spent the night there, you know. I love that. I love that. Yep. That's so important. Well, um, I just want to turn the corner just a little bit here before we come to a close. I love the concept of your book, Every Little Win. You know, obviously okay. it's a play off of the fact that, you know, you won this big singing competition, Todd. Um, but 
I love what you actually wrote in the prelude, and I want to read that. You said, on paper, our lives look very full, but hardly remarkable. Unless you look for the small wins, huge achievements get noticed. But if Brooke and I had waited around to find joy until we got a big win, we would have missed out on the amazing life we've lived. Instead, we found triumph in the mundane, even in the middle of hardships. So talk about that. Todd, talk about that. What does it look like to find triumph in the mundane and to count every little win? Uh, You you know, again, it's first of all, it's a daily thing that we do. Like um, it's uh, I I always just love to be really honest and say sometimes I'm not even this even in the things that we wrote in the book. We're not great at these things. Um, And like when people talk about like we're we're, we're talking about when people talk about marriage and all these things, I try to tell I've told 100 people, if you look to us. Please look to us as an example of the immeasurable grace of God. We don't know how to do these things. Like, uh, I mean, there are times when it gets so rough that we just, one of us just leaves. Like we can't, you know what I mean? We can't keep fighting like this. You're human. Um, You're human. Yeah, I, and it's, but, but honestly, you just, you really do have to look what, what we kind of did and really what spurred the book, of course, was the whole thing on the voice. But I think at least for me, I can't speak for Brooke, but for me, what spurred the direction that the book took was, was being able to look back over everything. And when I say that, I don't mean like when we wrote the book, but that did happen. When we wrote, But when we'd been married five years or 10 years or whatever, you know, if we're so focused and it's fine, it's, it's fine. Cause everybody has this like mindset that you should never look back. I actually disagree with that. As long as you look back for the right reasons, you know, mm-hmm. like we, when you look back over all of the things together, man, what an amazing life we, we lived, you know? And, and so Brooke, Brooke institutes things in our house, like best of the day and worst of the day, you know, and it, it, it does, it, it makes you stop and say, cause, I mean, because let's just be honest, there's been a lot of times, I'm 43 years old, so there's been plenty of times in my life where you go to bed at night and it really does kind of feel like a total loss, you know? Uh, one of my friends, uh, one that when I say one of my friends from The Voice, he was on a different season than me. His name's Pete Mraz. <laughs> he actually texted me this morning and we were just talking because he has a show in Nashville this weekend, but I'm going to be gone. I won't be in town this weekend, but uh, he asked me how things were going. And I was like, you know, it, it it's, I'm living the same life I've been living, which is there are days when I'm overwhelmed with excitement because of possibilities. And then half the time, the other half, I'm just in a full on panic, you know, because <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what's going to happen or if it's going to happen or if things are going to be all right. So you do have to sometimes say, well, th- this is something, you know, this is something that I can uh, I, I can either look forward to or be grateful for or whatever, because I'm telling you, man, I know people talk about gratitude all the time. But gratitude is another one of those things that you got to be real deliberate about. You got to say. Like stop yourself and say, this is something that, that is good. You know, everything, I mean, and Brooke will tell you, I don't want to get in trouble with my wife, but, but when, when we have the discussions, whether we're disagreeing or not, uh, if we're having discussions that aren't just like positive, I'll tell her all the time, I'm like, babe, you're snowballing. You know, like you're snowballing now, like everything's not bad, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so you have to, you have to stop and pick the good things out. But Brooke, I'll let you share what you think. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, I love, like Todd mentioned, I think that's really helped us as our family as a whole, especially with our children. I had a very wise lady that I would come to our church when we were pastoring and she did a Bible study. And what she asked us, um, at the beginning, she said they did this at her previous church she had been to. She said, "What best of the day, worst of the day. Let's go ahead and let's just talk about what was your best of the day, what was your worst of the day. And I loved that. And so I began to implement that in our home with my kids, especially when okay. we sit around the dinner table or we're all sitting around at the end of the night. And it's so good because sometimes you need to acknowledge there was yucky things that happened. You know, you can't pretend, you know, gratitude is not pretending that, you know, there isn't bad things or trying to find the silver lining in every, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's acknowledging that there are bad things, but choosing to look for the good too, acknowledging also that there's good, even in a tough season. And so for us, it's, you know, worst of the day, 
and, you know, and best of the day. And my kids, you know, love it. Uh, my younger kids especially roll their eyes, but I know they secretly love it. And, um, and it's just a way to. So. <laughs> no, they do. They, just, they do. They will appreciate it. They will remember that when they're. Oh grown, yeah, yeah, you know? they will. They sure will. And and um and I just I love like I love like just doing that acknowledgement and you know it's kind of cool seeing everybody's different perspective you know perspective excuse me you know on the day and you know we experience some of the same things together but people have some different perspectives of what was the best of the day and worst of the day and you know that's really just helped. So I think if you just you know, and, I, and I've said this before on other, um, when I've talked to other people, you know, things sometimes that we, you know, normal is a gift. And so sometimes the things that, you know, we throw off is just normal, mundane, is somebody else's miracle. Mm-hmm. And we really have to shift our perspective to look for those little mundane miracles that God are, God is giving us every day, whether it's, you know, your, your child's smile, whether it's that moment, you know, that you get some yeah. good news or you have to look for those and sometimes document that, writing it down or at the end of the day saying this was the best. When you think about it, it kind of gets, you know, it, it's almost like sometimes I, I can tend to snowball. When one bad thing's happened, the whole day is bad. But sure. that's really not true. And if you stop and, and be intentional, again, that's a big word, I think, intentional, to look for those little wins, um, you know, I'm telling you, I mean, we're just conditioned to look for the big things, the big miracles that we miss out on all those amazing ones that happen moment by moment, day by day. And that's really sad. And so it just takes a perspective change. You know, those little wins make big wins. You know, the the voice was a big win for us, but I want people to understand our book is not about the voice. God Mm -hmm. used that platform to do great things, you know, through us and just a great opportunity. And we will always be forever thankful for that. But that's not what the book's about. That's not what our story's about. You know, God has been there on the daily in every little win in our lives. And so I want people to see that, you know, look for your little wins. There will be the big wins along the way and they're different for everybody, but don't miss those little moments. You know, those fleeting moments. Um, That's what makes life so thrilling. When you look back, when you're, you know, getting older and you look back, it was all those little wins. Yes, I absolutely agree. So Todd, uh, you are pursuing music full time now. And uh, what's what's around the corner for you musically or what's going on with you right now musically? Oh, man, I, believe it or not, I'm pursuing a whole lot of things. Uh, I'm, I'm, I still write a lot of music. I actually just had a meeting last night about another book that we're going to uh, sort of throw out there and, and pitch and see what they think about uh, mm-hmm. uh, based on a song that I wrote. Um, but musically, I'm I'm still writing. I'm still recording. I'm, I'm Right now, I'm kind of doing everything on my own. Later in the year, as the fall comes around, uh, it looks like I'm going to be joining a tour, which okay. is good uh, because you have to sort of build an audience and you can't really do that. And that's if, you know, I'm still believing that something's going to work out and we're going to be able to tour, you know, I know. <laughs> like and it's, it's going to be something that we can do. But really, honestly, the bare bones truth of the matter is I am just working, man. I am working very hard. I've, I, I'll write and I plan. And then, and, and then, uh, I feel like, you know, uh, it's so it's a joke, but it's not a joke. I tell people all the time, I actually, this is a song idea now uh, that we're planning on writing with, with another guy that I met on the voice. Um, cause I say, uh, you know, and it's going, it's going to be called ghost town because I tell everybody like, um, Nashville, Tennessee, uh, believe it or not, including New Orleans, Louisiana, including Natchez, Mississippi, uh, and Gettysburg. You know, I think Nashville, Tennessee is the most haunted city in the world. And the reason that I know that is because the amount of times I have been ghosted. (laughs) Like, (laughs) you know, I have been ghosted so many times. Uh, Like, because you'll just be rolling, man. Like, like, here's what we're going to do. Here's the plan. And we're going to do this. And we're going to do that. We're going to work on this. And then you just like never hear from them again, you know? And then, you know, and then I guess it's because it's the creative vibe of, of the, this, this world that I live in Nashville and music. Uh, you know, I told my kids the other day, I, I had, this was planned, this was planned, this was planned and this was planned. And then literally we were driving down the road. I was taking them because I have a five-year-old daughter who has decided that she's loves Starbucks now uh, and she wants a caramel Frappuccino. So I was driving them to Starbucks and 
literally on that drive, all of my plans kind of just got smashed. And I was like, y'all, you know, I literally feel like in this world, I feel I, I feel realistically like about 75, 80 percent of the people who say they're going to do something actually show up for it, you know, yeah. <laughs> on the day that they say it, you know. Um, oh, my gosh. But, yes. You know, so but I'm working. I'm working. Um, I've got I've taken several meetings with record labels. I don't know. Uh, honestly, right now, I am I am still really praying and deciding like I know what I would love to do. But I also know that I get in my own way more than anyone gets in my way. And so I'm really praying about the exact direction that I'm supposed to take sure. with all this, um, you know. Um, and so that's that's where I am with it. Lots I got, man, I got so much music in the can. If I wanted to put a album out tomorrow, I, I really could. We're trying to be a little more strategic than that. But yeah. I yeah. could, you know. Yeah. Well, I want to encourage our listeners to pick up the Every Little Win book and check out Todd's music if you're not familiar with it. So I got the book because I am friends with your co-author, uh, Trisha Goyer. And yeah. so I got the book and then I read the book and then I'm like, well, I got to go out and watch some of this guy's videos on YouTube because I didn't watch season 18 of The Voice. And uh so then I understood what the holy hop was. Okay. Uh, yeah. I, I had, you know, you wrote about it in the book. And uh, and so for our listeners, if you don't know what Todd's holy hop is, uh, you got to go out and you got to watch that. I believe I first saw it in the blind auditions. Yeah, YouTube that's where video. it came from, the blind audition. Yeah. Okay. That's what I was thinking. So go out and look for Todd's. Um, Todd's uh, video of the blind auditions is out there on YouTube. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed that and just getting uh, more familiar with your music. So we'll include links uh, to all of that in our show notes. Where's the best place for people to connect with you guys online? Oh, man, mine's just Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and I'm Todd Tillman on all of those. And Brooke is you. Well, I am on TikTok, but it's just, it's kind of a necessity. Like I'm, I'm almost kind of going, I'm on TikTok almost by under duress. <laughs> like we're in the season of life where my husband and one of my older sons are both trying to blow up on TikTok. So that's an interesting that's season. Funny. <laughs> yeah, I love that. But Brooke's on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, She's on TikTok, but I don't think she really is very active on there. So. I don't know. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna try again. I can barely keep up with one social media. So like, it, you can post from there, and it goes to Facebook. So that helps me out. But yeah, I'm huge on Facebook and Instagram, and I share more of our personal business. So if you're nosy like me and a stalker, you want to know what's personally going on with us, come follow me. If you want to know the more music side, which I share both, but if you want to know, Todd's gonna be more professional. I'm gonna be a little more over share. <laughs> I love that. That's great. And for those of you that are listening, their name is, it's, it's pronounced Tillman, but it's T-I-L-G-H-M-A-N. So if you're right. like out there looking for it on Instagram right now, you want to make sure that you spell it correctly. T-I-L-G-H-M-A-N. Well, Todd, would you be willing to pray for our listeners uh, just to close yeah. this thing out and specifically for them to be able to see the little wins in their life uh, that make all the difference? Sure. Let's pray. Okay. Father, uh, Lord, first of all, I just want to say I love you. And I am so very grateful all the time for how well you love us. And I pray that you would teach us to love others, uh, at least as best we can, like you love them, Father. Uh, Lord, I pray for every single person that's listening to this podcast or maybe seeing this in a video. I don't know any of their circumstances. I don't know anything that's going on in their lives. But I do know, Father, uh, that people are suffering all over the place. Um, every time somebody's winning, there's also somebody else that really feels like they're losing. And so, Lord, I pray that every person in every stage of life, Lord, that you really would give us sort, sort of an intentional sense of gratitude, Lord, that we could just at least pick something out that, that did go well and something out that is like a shining silver lining, Lord. I know that you can show us those things. And I pray that that would build in us, Lord, just uh, just real gratitude, true gratitude mm -hmm. that just comes from our innermost being, uh, whether we chose it or not. It's just who we are and make us, Lord, people of gratitude. Father, uh, I pray, Lord, right now that um, 
people that are listening and the people that they're dealing with, especially people in the faith, Lord, and people in the church, when people are suffering and when they're in pain, Lord, uh, Lord, I pray that you would show us how how to love them well, Lord, and how not to overlook that or, or how not to just try to push them through that as quickly as we can, Lord, but but how to love them well in the middle of that, Lord. And, uh, and I just want to say, once again, I love you. I thank you for your presence in my life and, and for the way that you love us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so that you don't miss any future conversations. We also want you to know that we have three free ebooks for you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. You can also find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over at jillsavage.org slash podcast. See you next week for another not perfect, but very important conversation about the real stuff of life.